What's going on, guys? This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. What's going on guys? Rob Carbone coming at you with another video. Another episode of BD4 tonight. We're doing episode 64. The Knicks keep nicking. I mean, basically, pretty much it's just the same story. They lose games. Yeah, they did win tonight, but they lose games and they don't play the uh, the kids enough, nearly enough. And um, that's been the big issue that we're going to dive into tonight. But first, let's recap the last couple of nights. So they went to, uh, well, they hosted, they hosted, hosted the Philadelphia 76ers the other night without Joel Embiid, obviously, and the Knicks were without their Keycog and R.J. Barrett, um, obviously from the injury. And um, that game went, you know, kind of as planned, but you know the Knicks lost the game. They did compete. You know, I guess that's the the, the moral victory we're, we're celebrating now is competing. But, no, they did compete, but they shot under 40%. The offense was just clumsy. Shots weren't falling. It wasn't really, the ball wasn't really moving the entire game. At times, it was a little bit stagnant, and we saw that down the stretch. Um, Actually, both teams actually started out pretty hot. I think the Knicks and Sixers were both 3-for-3 to start the game. But the Knicks kind of got sloppy with the ball. Like I said, they started turning it over towards the end of the first period. They had successive turnovers. Um, and then they kind of became susceptible susceptible to open shooters in the second, just leaving men open. The same thing, not enough, you know, not playing tight enough, leaving space between you and the uh, the ball handler. It was just too many shots, uh, just getting killed outside of the uh, the arc. And um, there was a little bit of a rhythm, but like I said, they couldn't sustain it. Taj Gibson had a nice little run in the second quarter where he kept the Knicks afloat, um, helped them on like a fifteen to five run, I believe it was in the second period, which kept them in it again, but that was pretty much the story of the entire game. The Knicks struggled to take that extra step against Philly, and um, they relied down the stretch on their best scorer, Marcus Morris, and he came through clutch like he usually does, man. I got, I got to give the guy credit. He's playing his ass off, and hopefully it's hopefully he's somebody who can get the Knicks a first-round draft pick in return when we deal him, hopefully when we deal him at the deadline, but he hit a couple of clutch jumpers, one with 3.38 remaining to put the Knicks ahead, and another go-ahead jumper with um, 31 seconds remaining to give the Knicks the, the lead. However, it was the most Knicks ending possible. I mean, right after that possession where he hit the shot with 30 seconds left, Morris, um, the Knicks left a, I forget who exactly it was, but on the inbound pass, they, they Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, uh, they, they screwed up on a switch and... Mitch had his man wide open for three pointer, for a three pointer, and that three went in. And Philly took the lead. The Knicks, in their last possession, the most Knicks thing once again. Julius Randle has the ball, and he, he loses it at the top of the um, 
at the corner, not the corner arc, but you know, kind of near the uh, the elbow, and he loses it out of bounds, and it's a turnover, his second turnover in the final minute, and his fifth turnover of the game, Randall. It was just a nightmare, and that was pretty much the icing on the cake. That's how they lost that game, just leaving uh, leaving players open and turning the ball over. Just two issues that's really that have really bothered the Knicks all season long, if you want to be honest. So. Yeah, they competed, but it's another one of them games where they just can't finish it out. It seems like every time down the stretch, the Knicks just lose all their confidence, no matter what happens. And that's why I was glad tonight was a blowout victory, because we didn't have to deal with that shit tonight. But yeah, every time down the stretch, it seems like they either just stop everything they're doing and revert to isolation for no reason, they stop moving the ball, they stop... The body movement stops. They stop setting screens, and it's just here. You do it, or I'll play hero ball, and and it's they lose all confidence. It's really really frustrating too, and it just it happens so much, and we never see them really adjust to that and fix that. So that was how that game ended, and once again that game the Knicks didn't play their kids enough, and that's it's again we're gonna touch on that a little bit later. I want to talk to I want to talk about that a lot, but. As for tonight's game against the Cavs, yes, they won. Um, it was a very lackluster first half. Got to say, the Knicks did not look great in that first half. Now, they were only down one heading into heading into intermission. But just if you watch the game, this was one of those games you had to watch at least for the first half. You just saw the Knicks didn't really have that extra oomph in them. They didn't have that energy, and they weren't just they just weren't clicking. Um, they were fine offensively. They weren't clicking, but they were moving the ball and stuff. It was mostly the defensive end where they just didn't have that effort tonight. And, um, yeah, that, that, that again, that frustrates me. I, I want to have effort the entire game. But to their credit, you know, they picked it up in the second half. The bench unit played a big role. The bench was big tonight. You know, Damian Dotson had a nice game. He's been struggling with consistency this season. So it was good to see Dot score 12 points, 5 of 7 shooting, hit both of his three-pointers. So he had a nice game, 12 points off the bench. Bobby Portis chipped in with 12 points. Um, the Nick bench overall, 37 to 17, I believe, or was it 39 to 17? But they they obliterated the Cavalier bench, and the bench unit was huge tonight. So got to give credit to Dotson, to Portis, to to Frankie Lakina. His defense was huge down the stretch, especially on um, Sexton and Garland. You know, he had some really good effort plays defensively and some really smart defensive plays tonight from Frank Nielakina. Offensively, he was Frank. You know, he didn't do much, nothing spectacular, but he definitely was there defensively. Definitely frustrated the, the uh, Cavalier backcourt tonight. Garland and Sexton only combined for 28 points tonight on 10 out of 40 shooting. <laughs> so you're going to take that every time because, you know, what these two have done to the Knicks in the past, they've obliterated them, you know, off the dribble penetration from the outside. So it was nice to at least... Not just contain them tonight, but they locked them down tonight. And Frank Nielakina played a big role in that. Damian Dotson and his efforts played a big role in that defensively. So it was good to see that. So, But again, the thing tonight, man, it was good to win. And oh, we just need to play these kids. We need to play the kids more because it's becoming a constant theme. And you know what? I got on David Fisdale big time for that. And, and now Mike Miller's doing the same thing. But I'm starting to think, I'm starting to believe that this may not just be a coaching thing. And, you know, it, it, it has to be. It has to be. 
has to be something that's coming from the higher ups, from upstairs, you know, from the FO here. It, it can't be, I don't think it's coaching anymore because this has been constant for 44 games now. We're not prioritizing our youth here, our young foundation. We're still playing veterans 25, 30, 35 minutes every night, and that's really, really annoying. That's really frustrating. You know, and I'm looking at these other teams. They're going through a proper rebuild here. You know, I'm looking at the Phoenix Suns. They're giving Bridges. I, I wrote it down on my notes. They're giving the Phoenix Suns are giving um, Macau Bridges 24 minutes a night. Kaminsky is getting 22. Sarish is getting 25 minutes. This is their youth. Um, Kelly Oubre is getting 34 minutes. Their draft pick Booker, he's getting 36. Draft pick Aiton, he's getting 31 minutes. The Sacramento Kings. Buddy Heald, 34 minutes. Fox, 31 minutes. Holmes, 29 minutes. Bogdanovich, 28. Bagley's playing 25. The Cavaliers, even. Sexton's averaging 32 minutes. Garland, 30 minutes. Osmond, just under 30 minutes. Porter, 22 minutes. And then there's the New York Knicks. You have R.J. Barrett, 31 minutes. And then you have everybody else. Um, Kevin Knox, 19. Dotson, 17. Trier, when he does play, he plays 12, but he's been DNP'd so many times this year. Um, Iggy hasn't even been getting you know meaningful action. Mitch is averaging 22 minutes, and it's at the point where he's even cut down on the fouls in some games, but they're still not playing him 30-plus, 35-plus minutes. It's, it's annoying. You have to play your kids because if you really want to do a proper rebuild, and in a season where you're, what, 12-32 and 32 now and not going anywhere... At least you um, lose with your young kids that are going to be here. And I don't know how many times I have to say this, but it's so damn true, man. And, and tonight, let me... Sh- um, hold on. Tonight. See, tonight, 21 minutes for Taj Gibson, 27 minutes for Randall, 30 for Morris, 28 for Peyton, 30 for Bullock, 21 for Portis. You know, Kevin Knox just playing 15 minutes. They're not doing it. They're not playing Trier still. Iggy still hasn't played. Dotson was their best player tonight. He only played 21. It's just constant. Um, let me get this out of here. It's um, it's really, really frustrating to see, man. And I don't know. I don't know. I definitely think it's something that's coming from the higher-ups, though. I don't know. I understand. I mean, I assume it's it's this whole showcasing bullshit, but again, that's bullshit. It's, I'm sorry, the showcasing, and I'll put that in quotes, is the most overrated thing. It's, it's, the league knows who Taj Gibson is. You know, he's not going to change any GM's opinion if he puts up a double-double for the rest of his tenure as a Nick. I guarantee you that. Nobody will look at him and be like, oh, you know what? He's actually, because this is a, a veteran who has reached his ceiling and, you know, anything from here on out is going to be him on the decline. He's not peaking or anything. This isn't some young kid. Same with other guys they're, they're, they're wasting time with. Ellington, um, even Portis. The league knows who these guys are. There's no point in showcasing them this much because it's coming to a point where it's hurting the youth. It's not just bothering, it's it's actually, it's hurting the, the youth. You can't grow. You You can't let these kids grow. They're not growing. They're not learning from their mistakes. They can't. They can't improve sitting on the bench for you know 25, 30 minutes a night. You know they have to be on that floor playing. They can't just be sitting on the bench and not getting consistent minutes. So enough with these bullshit starting lineups. <clears throat> enough with these um, just these ridiculous rotations at times. Just get the youth in there, play the kids, and I can't wait for the trade deadline because if that's if that's what it's going to take. I, I am marking that down on my calendar because it, it's it's so annoying. And I know I shouldn't be you know stressing this in a win tonight. I guess I should 
be happy about a win. But come on, man. It's at a point where who even cares? If you're going to lose, I'd rather see losing with the kids out there, with guys who are going to be here, not guys who aren't going to be here in the future. So that's really annoying. It's, it's, it's at a point where it's what the hell? What the hell? What is the point of doing this? So that's my little rant there. That's my little venting session. Just play the kids. Um, I want to see if I have anything else down. Oh, well, tonight was the 22nd game of Mike Miller's tenure. Um, so David Fisdale this season, after going 4-18, and 18, that was 22 games as well. So Fisdale was 4-18, and 18, which equaled a 182 winning percentage. And Mike Miller was 8-14, has been 8-14, which is a 364 win percentage. And, you know, as you guys have known... If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna bash the Knicks for for not playing their youth, I'm gonna give them credit here for a little bit. As you guys, as you as you guys have known, I I've said number a number of times that I'm looking for some kind of competitiveness, some kind of semi-competitiveness under Mike Miller. That's another thing I've been looking for. And while playing 364 basketball isn't good, it's bad. At least it's not you know, 182 ball, you know, where Fizdale, they were just egregious and not doing anything correctly. Whereas with the Knicks, they're at least winning every, you know, here and there. And that's what I've wanted so far. So they've at least been doing that somewhat to a level, you know, but the thing here, like I said, the thing here isn't winning. It's, it's Mike Miller has, or whoever, you know, the higher ups, it seems like the Knicks have stressed winning a little too much. I do want to see a little bit more of a balance. I, I want to be competitive, but I can guarantee you the results won't be that much different if you play the youth as opposed to playing the veterans. You know, so why wouldn't you just continue to play at the same clip with your youth as opposed to doing that thing with your veterans? So that's just been the big thing. But I definitely see improvement in terms of coaching, just straight up coaching alone. You know, the ball movement and player movement is better. Not great, but it's better. The, he, they're running a system out there. You know, they literally didn't have any kind of system ran under David Fisdale. The team chemistry, David Fisdale did have the team, you know, had, he had a nice little camaraderie for the team. The team, you know, they get along, and, and that's been one thing both coaches have succeeded in. But, um, again, it's it's while Miller has stepped up in the win category, the one issue remains, the one underlying issue remains, and we've got to see this team Whoever it is, just the front office, whoever is stressing this showcasing bullshit, we have to see it end. We have to see the Knicks start playing their kids more. Because like I said, every other team, literally every other team does this. Why can't the Knicks just be normal and do something like this? Just play the kids. That's how you rebuild. If you want to say, you know, if you want to stress all this rebuilding crap that you've been you know, telling us in the offseason, how we're all about the rebuild process and restarting and turning a new leaf, then actually promise me, um, come through on that promise, man. So, again, I'm repeating myself 28, 29, 30 times here, but that's all I want to do. I'm going to end this here. We're about 15 minutes in, so that's that's going to end this episode of BD4. Rob Carbone signing out for you guys on BD4 episode 64. Nick's keep nicking. What else can you say? All right, guys, I'll I'll see you next time. All right. Damn, I got a cold, so I've cracked my voice like 15 times in this one. But (laughs) I'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Ciao.